0: There all you daybreakers, you lost boys, you daughters of darkness, you're listening to The Shuddering, a film podcast covering vintage and modern horror cinema as served up by our favorite streaming service, Shudder. My name is Nick Rocco Scalia, one of your two co-hosts, joined as always by your other co-host, Chris Oliphant, and tonight on the show we are talking vampires.
1: It's about time. Nick, this is the first time we're talking vampires on this show, but it's not the first time we've talked about vamps. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Uh, but no, this is great because one of the titles we're going to be discussing this night, we intended on actually debuting the show with, and then we decided not to because Shudder pulled it. So when it came back, this was like a golden opportunity to finally talk about uh, this movie.
0: Yeah, so we're talking about Near Dark from 1987, which when we started the show back <laughs> in August of last year... I think it was August, uh, July or August. Anyway, the movie that we wanted to talk about was Near Dark because we were mm-hmm. doing an episode because it was our debut episode. We wanted to talk about a directorial debut. So we did Caveat, uh, which was a really great film that I had seen on Shudder long before we started talking about the show and definitely wanted to talk about that one. And then I thought, I've never seen Catherine Bigelow's Near Dark, which is not her first movie technically. Uh, it's her solo debut. She did direct another film with someone else. She co-directed an earlier film but this is like an 80s cult classic that I had always wanted to see and it was on Shudder I was like I'm so excited what a perfect way to start the show off and then they pulled it like a day before we were both going to watch it and then talk about it on the show. We ended up doing okay though because we called an audible it was Mario Bava's Black Sunday which Mm. is a great film to start this podcast off with because it is one of the true blue sort of classics that's on Shudder and we got to talk about a filmmaker whose career spanned decades and had this major influence on horror after that. So I think it was a pretty good choice to go with that one. But that said, I had still been dying to see Near Dark. So I'm very, very happy we did that. And then as we always do on the show, we wanted to pair that up with something else that is somewhat related in some way, a a thematically similar film. So we picked a more recent vampire movie, 2020's Boys from County Hell, which is another one who I I think just based on the title alone, I was like, I got to see that one also. So tonight is the first time, yeah, that we are truly diving into the entire subgenre of horror that is the vampire film. Although these are very, very different movies, I would say.
1: Yeah, and you know what's interesting is that there's actually another connection that you could make here, because you mentioned that we substituted in Caveat, because we couldn't do Near Dark, Caveat being a Irish film, and... So is Boys from County Hell. So we could have even done a, an Irish-related episode and, and paired those two movies together.
0: Yeah, uh, and actually there's a few other really great Irish films on Shudder that I've seen and that I've heard about. So we've got uh, St. Patrick's Day coming up pretty soon, so maybe we'll sure. dive into those uh, to celebrate the holiday. But um, before we do that, I thought, since this is not our first episode of 2023, but our release schedule has been a little sporadic lately, and we want to get sort of back on track with that, we've been dealing Dealing with some technical issues here and just some crazy schedule things. Chris, I know you've been traveling and you're coming back to work after a a very busy season or or for a very busy season. Uh, I am starting Mm -hmm. up a completely new job, which is really great, but also a lot of new stuff that I'm just sort of taking on in full for the first time. So we've definitely not been as consistent as I would like us to be and I'm sure you would like us to be as well, Chris. But this also gives us an opportunity to sort of go back and establish what we are again and kind of, I don't know, put our footing down for a a new year of the show and and really, I don't want to call this like a soft reboot or a restart or anything like (laughs) that, but if you're just joining us for the first time, we've also not been as great about promotion as I'd like us to be and that's kind of on me and I want to do a little bit more of that. So you'll be hearing more from us. If you are a a regular listener and you've been with us since the beginning and we do know of a lot of you, we've heard from a lot of you and thank you so, so much for sticking with us, uh, particularly through this tumultuous time. I mean, not really tumultuous but we've just not been like I said as consistent as we'd like to be but if you are joining us as a new listener I wanted to just establish one more time what we do here at the show so as you've probably already guessed what we do for every episode is pick two films from the shutter library one a vintage film one a modern film the only really way that we could distinguish is we decided on the year 2000 so anything post 2000 will be a modern film pick anything pre-2000 will be a vintage pick we haven't really done a lot of early 2000s movies but we have done some late 90s stuff our last film that we talked about was a late 90s film But with those two films, we try to find some sort of thematic or personnel type connection. So tonight we were talking about two vampire films. We might do two films by the same director from different eras. A lot of times what we've done on the show is two films from the same country or the same part of the world, um, subgenres like we're doing tonight with vampires, anything like that. We try to find some kind of connection between the two. And Chris, I think you and I are both really good at finding the ones that even aren't quite so obvious at at first glance, like you were just saying, so there'll always be something to link those two movies together. So we rate and review those films. We're not going to spoil anything for you. We've been pretty good about that, I would say, on all of our episodes thus far, and even something as sort of well-known and as cult classic status as Near Dark. We're not going to spoil that film, which is too bad, actually, because some spoilery stuff, the ending of that film, I think is something that I would like to talk about because it really weighs on my, my rating of that film, but we're not going to do that in case you like me have waited this long to see it. I completely understand that. Chris, I know you do too. You're better about this than I am, but there are so many films that I just, I've heard about them my entire life basically, and just never got around to seeing them. And I knew that I would like them. And that was definitely the case with Near Dark, but we rate and review those films. We'll also give you an R.I.Y.L., which is a recommended if you like. So we will pick a much more popular, well-known movie that you've probably seen. And if you like that movie, you probably should also check out the one that we're talking about on the show. We have a five-point rating system. Chris has been nice enough to give every, every tier on that rating system a name. They are all, of course, horror-related. So we won't run through that again go back to our earliest episode black sunday and caveat and if you want the entire <laughs> rundown of that but what i will say is the best of the best the five out of five we haven't handed out too many of these we call those the exorcist because chris and i think that is one of the greatest horror films of all time sort of the pinnacle of this genre that we are so interested in and kind of obsessed with and then uh, just as a nice bit of consistency with that we call the lowest of the low the one out of five movies exorcist 2 the heretic we <laughs> we've only handed out one heretic i believe thus far but those are the movies that like exorcist 2 the heretic are just what the hell was anyone thinking uh making this movie so i think that's just about everything there the other thing that chris did, did i miss anything i don't think so
1: no but I'm thinking we should just call the one star movie The Heretic you you want to leave The the Exorcist 2 out of it
0: (laughs) I mean I do that's fine I think that works on a couple of different levels I mean if there were more of them that we've handed out then yeah it would get really sort of tedious but luckily I mean maybe this says something about the Shutter Library there's only been one and the one that we gave it to was actually a really fun film to watch it was definitely so bad it's good but it was so so bad we're talking about 1982's Trick or Treats which I'm almost excited to watch again for Halloween already and it's only January. But uh, the other thing we do on the show is recommendations. So Chris and I try to watch some horror movies outside of the Shudder universe or, or other Shudder movies that we're just not talking about on the show every week because we're just big fans of the genre like we know most of you are. So Chris, do you have a recommendation for us this week? I, I haven't talked to you in I feel like forever. So you've probably seen dozens of movies. I've seen like a few movies outside of the ones for the show. But uh, what is on your mind horror
1: wise lately? Man, I got a couple good ones. I'll I'll try to make this, uh, I'll try to give you an abridged version. Um, I'm excited because two of these movies I never saw before and have always been recommended to me, and then one I saw for a second time that I hadn't seen in a few years, and all three I have to recommend. Uh, the first one, Nick, have you ever seen a film called The Orphanage from 2007?
0: I have not. That's on my Netflix DVD queue. I still have a Netflix DVD queue. I still receive movies from Netflix in the mail, which I think is like, that's the most old person thing I think I do in my entire life, but uh, that is definitely on the list. I've always wanted to see it, but I haven't seen it yet.
1: It's so good. Um, It's a Spanish film, and it's, I mean, what I liked about it is, like, we've we've heard of this story before, and the Sometimes I'm I'm kind of like you know pushed away by movies that have super generic titles like that like The Orphanage you know I'm like oh what's this going to be about and yes it is about a woman who you know grows up with with a certain group of kids in this big orphanage but years later ends up moving back into it kind of like to repay the the favor and and have her own orphanage there and everything and her son starts dumb doing some pretty weird stuff. Um, it's a fantastic movie, I gotta say. I was blown away by it, and the only reason why I watched it is because I have this new horror trivia game that I've been playing, and this movie kept coming up in the questions. And I'm like, how the hell have I not seen this? And my girlfriend Alex had seen it and gave it some some pretty high praise. So we watched that, and I have gotta recommend it. It's got some scenes in it that are absolutely spine-tingling. The performances are fantastic. Um, the direction is excellent. It just really blew me away. I mean, it's not like one of the best movies I've ever seen, but it's, it's, it's a very solid. I'd be giving it an Atkins Campbell four out of five all day on this show.
0: Yeah, that is our four out of five, by the way, but... Most yes. of you already know that, yeah, Chris. I think the worst thing you could possibly do in a horror movie is try to reopen a place that you visited when you were a kid. I feel like that's a pretty common <laughs> premise, and it never works out good for the person who does it. There's always some kind of supernatural or otherwise
1: evil thing well, happening there. I, th- this movie had real emotion to it too, though. You know, like you really felt the the, the emotional underpinnings of the film. Like I was very. Um, sympathetic characters and and things like that so it was I would call it you know above average to um, most horror movies
0: I remember that being compared pretty heavily to like Guillermo del Toro's The Devil's Backbone and Pan's Labyrinth I mean it didn't come out long after Pan's Labyrinth but I remember a lot of the reviews at the time talked about those which are movies that work both as horror films and as just sort of strongly emotional dramatic films as well and I love that kind of stuff you know it's uh it's like elevated horror but in a I don't know, in a different way than, than like, the A24 stuff is elevated horror, I guess yeah. you could
1: say. Uh, sure, and I know you'd like this movie. I, I'm confident you'd like this movie. Like, there are, when I say there are some spine-tingling scenes, there absolutely are, but uh, I think Del Toro was the producer on this one, by the way, okay. so that, w- that would make perfect sense. I also saw, for the first time, a film that I've never seen called Slither. Oh, I and love that one. What a barrel of fun that movie is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, uh, yeah, in so I many ab- ways. Yeah, and that that's one of those like I mean it would absolutely qualify as like a list of shame movie for me. I yeah, it's one of those films where over the years I can I can think of at least three or four people that are like, dude, how have you not seen that movie? Well, everybody, I have finally seen Slither. It's hilarious. It, it it's absolutely hilarious. Michael, it was great to see. I didn't. This is the thing I love about it. I didn't know anything about it. So like, you know, to see great performers like Michael Rooker. And um, I love Elizabeth Banks. Like, she's awesome.
0: You still haven't mentioned Nathan Fillion. And he's, it's my favorite Nathan Fillion performance in that movie. Sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, like, the main the main uh, dude there, right? And it's, it, like... Um, it is, yeah. You know. and maybe
0: you're not as familiar with him as I am. He has a moment. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and spoil it, because that movie is 15-something uh, <laughs> years old now. But he yeah. he walks into a scene of just, like, the most gruesome shit imaginable. And he just kind of stands there for a second, and he's like, that's some fucked up shit. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I, it's like it's, one of the biggest laughs I've ever had in a horror movie
1: it's pretty great um I've got to recommend it if for some reason any of you out there haven't seen uh Slither then please see that incredible um, and- Chris
0: do you know uh James Gunn the writer director of that now he's he's been like all over the news lately like he's basically taking over for Warner Brothers the entire DC Comics franchise they're trying to reestablish their presence the way uh, Disney and Marvel has with the Marvel characters. He's doing that with the DC Universe. He's also I, I think finished with the third Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Like, he started out at Troma, which is a story that I absolutely love, and now he's like at the tippity top of big studio franchise stuff. But he's done some really fascinating stuff with it along the way. I love his Guardians of the Galaxy movies, and I'm yeah. I'm kind of excited to see what he does with the DC comic stuff. I haven't really checked in too much with those. I saw a few of them i was kind of unimpressed with all of them except for you know maybe one or two so i'm interested to see what direction he goes with it but yeah kind of a, a springboard to much much bigger things but if you like comedy horror films at all and if you can handle some i don't know about gore but just sort of gruesomeness in a comedic way like uh, peter jackson's brain dead or dead alive kind of stuff those are the same movie of course um but if you like that stuff I, I definitely think slither is worth checking out
1: and i thought to myself this could have been an r i y l for uh bloody muscle bodybuilder because it's just like oh, it's yeah. just it just totally fits into that wheelhouse of like i mean this movie's funny as shit really is but the effects are great acting's good solid um and then finally a movie that is not funny at all but oh man this is such a heavy hitter um I saw this when it first came out. I just watched it again because it it also what sort of inspired me to do it was this this trivia game. If if a movie is like brought up like multiple times in this game, and like I haven't seen it in a while or haven't seen it at all, guess what, Nick? I started a list of movies. (laughs) It's like, oh my god, are you kidding me? Nick, have you seen Green Room? Yes, I love Green Room. Wow, that movie. I mean. This time around, when I was watching it, and it's funny because uh, the great Sir Patrick Stewart is in it, which is kind of like the—I mean, playing I a, a white supremacist. Yeah, he is so good. Yeah, <laughs> this movie he's man. It's in like that movie. It, it's yep. like it's like I mean, his everything. <laughs> but the thing that was funny about it, I think you'll appreciate, is that uh, I mean, Alex and I just got done rewatching all of Breaking Bad like the last couple of months. And all I could think of is like how Walter Whitey he is in this movie, like <laughs> totally bald with the glasses, the goatee, everything. I'm like, man, this is like a Nazi Walter White sort of thing because they get the, the meth lab going on, too. But sure. great movie. Um, you know, I love the 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 sort of claustrophobia of it. I love how the movie actually looks green a lot, and uh, the performances are great. It's an absolutely brutal film. Uh, Nice, tight 95-minute watch. I mean, the, the whole movie is just amazing. Chris, how
0: heavy do you think John Carpenter hangs over that movie?
1: Oh, I mean it's, yeah, it's like Assault on Precinct 13 in a punk rock like Nazi club or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's uh, it's a little bit of Assault on Precinct 13 with like an Escape from New York sort of clothing style, and oh man, it's it's very, I think, heavily Carpenter-influenced. Chris, uh... I'm gonna just throw out a few recommendations based on that one. So, that one is written and directed by a guy named Jeremy Saulnier, and everything he's ever done has been awesome. I've seen, I think, everything he's done. So, his debut movie is called Murder Party, which is kind of a horror comedy with a great premise it's a oh, I halloween saw slasher movie yeah that's a great one that's where he kicked i, think I saw it up. on shutter <laughs> probably yeah it, I, it yeah. appeared on there at some point uh he made like a revenge movie kind of a road revenge movie called blue ruin which is great followed that up with green room so he was doing like a color titles thing um and then he made an incredible movie that i cannot recommend highly enough a lot of people didn't like it and maybe i'm in the minority for loving it but he made a movie called hold the dark for netflix and it's uh that it's a murder mystery kind of thing involving wolves uh, in the wilderness it stars the great Jeffrey Wright and I, Chris you probably haven't seen that movie because I feel like nobody's seen that movie but I, have I found not. it one of the most mesmerizing things ever it came out in 2018 I've recommended it to so many people very few of them have actually watched it but I'm gonna throw that out there to our listeners check out hold the dark and then he also did two episodes of the third season of one of my favorite shows of all time which is true detective and ah. uh, Um, If you know anything about that show, the first season is a masterpiece. The second one is a a, a failure in many ways. And the third season I thought was pretty good. And uh, his stamp, his directorial stamp is definitely on that. And there is a fourth season coming out with Jodie Foster this year, which I'm very, very excited about. I love True Detective so much, mostly because of that first season, but also uh, a lot of the third I thought was very good also. So um, a lot of recommendations, a lot of bang for your buck on this episode of the show. But yeah, Green Room is an awesome, awesome movie. I mean, it's so good it's an action film with kind of a horror splatter uh, I I don't know exactly how to describe it like it's not really a horror movie, but I think if you're a horror fan, you will absolutely appreciate it, and it is brutal as all get-out, and oh man, there's I, again, I don't like to spoil movies, but I'm a dog person, and there's a dog yeah. in that movie that uh, is just incredible, and I love seeing that. So. Well,
1: also the ending is so good. It's like fantastic. I, I, I forgot about the ending, and I was like oh man, they just, like, how could you tie it together any better than that? Like yeah. I don't know, It's just really good. Perfect, so. and of course
0: it stars the late, great Anton Yelchin, which uh, that is a Hollywood Career that was going so many other places. I mean, he had a, an incredible run before he passed away. He passed away so young, but like the movies that he made, it was almost uh, John Cazale like and just how good they were. So great to see him in that movie as well. He's the uh, the lead in that. Well, um, Chris, I've done something recently and it actually wasn't even that recently, but you know, I'm always talking about how how behind the times I am with movies because I just don't have a lot of time to watch new things. I don't really get out to the theater as much as I used to. And so there's always these like buzzed about movies on Shudder and elsewhere that like everybody in the horror community is talking about and I'm never on top of them. Well, Chris, I was on top of one of them this week. A few weeks ago, um, not too long after New Year's, I went to the theater to see Skinnamarink and and oh. we are recording this on February 2nd. So that just appeared on Shudder today. That was always the plan, right? They did a, a theatrical release, which is actually very, very successful. Um, the movie cost something like 15 grand to make. And it made like a million plus in theaters. So uh, lots of bang for your buck there as well. But now if you're listening to this show and you do have a Shudder subscription, you can check this out yourself. And uh, it is so hard for me to talk about this movie. And it's so hard for me to to decide how to present it and and to kind of recommend it or not recommend it this is as experimental a horror movie as you'll ever see Um, it is it's not exactly a found footage film but it looks like it's shot on film i don't know I, i don't know much about the behind the scenes of this it might have been shot digitally and then sort of made to look like film but it looks like very sort of grainy degraded almost like super 8 type film and It kind of, sort of, is a narrative film, but, like, if you ask me what the story was, I'd say there's two kids in a house with something, and nobody else seems to be around, and and that something is vaguely menacing and threatening, but, um, you know, there's no, like, violence or anything like that in the film. It is... It's a tough watch in a lot of ways, not because of any kind of brutality or anything like that, but because the pace is extremely slow. The sound is very muffled. The visual is kind of hard to see at points. It's very dark. There's a lot of moments where characters are just kind of sitting there watching like public domain cartoons on TV. I mean, it is it's an art film as much as it is is a horror film. Um, But I would say from from where I'm sitting, and I saw this in a theater, I don't know how well it will play at home, but I, I think it might actually have the same effect at home. I was very frustrated by it, and then I was so into it, like I, I was kind of, I got caught up in its spell, you know? And I think, you know, you watch 20 to 30 minutes of it, and and either you're into it or you're not into it. I will say I was in about a half-full theater, and only two people left. And this is the kind of movie where I think a lot of people, particularly like young, not very experienced horror audience, Audiences that are looking for, like, a scream or something like that type movie, uh, they're not going to like it at all. And, uh, and they might be inclined to leave. But I will say this was a pretty good audience because a lot of people stayed. Uh, my wife and I were, were two of them. And I think if you can vibe with just sort of the, the slow pace and the ambiguity, Chris, this is a movie, I don't know if I've ever seen this before. Like there are basically two characters that we follow throughout this movie and you never see their faces. You see their feet uh, oh. wa- walking along the floor. Uh, you hear their voices. You see, you know, bits and pieces of them here and there in shots. But whereas most movies have, you know, very traditional framing and we can kind of see what's going on, part of what's going on here is that you can't. So um, that's both unsettling and, and maybe very frustrating for some people because we so badly want to identify with characters, right? But I will yeah. say this movie, there are two or three scenes that scared the absolute shit out of me. Uh, I am I am not too proud to admit that. I really got some good jolts out of this one. But the thing is, it only works sort of cumulatively, right? Like the effect of this movie, like if I just showed you those scenes, like just out of nowhere sort of just isolated by themselves you wouldn't be impressed by them i don't think at all but if you sort of get on this movie's wavelength and let it work its way into your mind and get absorbed in it then these scenes sort of come out and just really 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 got under my skin and i can't say that. that will be true of everybody but I mean, if you can tolerate the things that are sort of meant to push you away and just sort of give into this movie, I think you'll have a, a, an interesting time with it. You know, like if we had to rate it for this show, I think I would just decline to do it. You know, there are some people <laughs> who I think would call this a five out of five. There's definitely plenty of people who'd call it a, a one or even a zero because, you know, it's it's not a conventional movie in any sense. But uh, this was written and directed by a guy named Kyle Edward Ball. Um, what I have heard is if you are kind of on the fence about it, he made a short, this is based on a short that he did a while back that you can watch in full on YouTube that is called HECK, H-E-C-K. and. Um, it basically, what I've heard, I haven't had a chance to watch this yet. It's about a half hour long, but it was kind of a, a first pass at Skinner Rink. Uh, most people are describing that as. So maybe if you don't want to put 100 minutes into this sight unseen, maybe watch a half hour short. And then uh, then you can maybe check out Skinner Rink. But I don't know. I mean, I say if you're open-minded about horror, if you want to just turn all the lights off, watch this late at night, maybe put some headphones on. There's some really interesting stuff with the sound design. I think maybe it'll work for you, but again, uh, you know, (laughs) be forewarned that you may absolutely hate this movie and you may want to check out early. But it is, you know, it's kind of the buzzy horror movie right now, and I'm so glad to be part of the conversation. I'm never part of the conversation. Uh, The problem is, you know, I I still don't know if I've completely collected my thoughts on it. Um, If you've ever read, there's a great horror novel, uh, great and also frustrating, much like this movie called House of Leaves by Mark Danielewski, which is... You know, it's almost like a found footage movie in book form in some way, but then it goes off into some really avant-garde, abstract sort of places as well. If you've read that book and you liked it, then Skinner Marink is kind of the movie version of that, so maybe mm. that's a, a point of recommendation there. It's a fairly well-known book. A lot of people call that the scariest book they've ever read. I didn't think so, but uh, but I did enjoy it. <laughs> a lot. But this movie is, I mean, if nothing else, right, it's a really interesting attempt at doing something with horror that is very, very rarely ever done. And I would say, you know, I've sat through a lot of, I wouldn't say sat through, I've watched a lot of avant-garde and like art films, experimental films when I was a student and, you know, going to festivals and things like that afterward. And, you know, a lot of people just aren't into that. And I totally get that. You know, we are particularly as American audiences, we're so narrative focused and character focused. You're not going to get that out of Skinner Rink, but um, if you don't mind that, then there is really something here. And I, I can't wait to see, like obviously Kyle Edward Ball is going to be given some bigger budgets. This movie was a success. I'm interested to see where he goes from here. I don't think he can make anything weirder or more off-putting than Skin and Merink, So I think his next movie is going to be more of a mainstream type thing. And I'm interested to see if he can get some of the same effects out of that, that he does out of this one. But yeah, that is uh, that is a film that I was very much hoping we could talk about on the show. Chris, I haven't even asked yet. You haven't seen Skin of a yet, have you?
1: I have not, um, but I've seen some of our... Uh, some of the review channels that I've seen have done reviews on it, and I, I have declined to watch them. And you're right. This is, like, literally the latest thing uploaded to Shudder, it looks like, as of now.
0: Yeah. I mean, this this episode will be out in a few days, so, you know, it'll be kind of old news by then, but still, I mean, it's it's a current film, and I'm glad that we are able to talk about it. So, like, what do you think at this point? Are you going to give it a shot, or... Oh, definitely. Have Absolutely. I have I scared you away from it?
1: No, you know what I like is you're talking about the scenes that like if you showed them to me in an isolated sequence, I'd be like not impressed. But the fact that it's one of those movies that kind of works on a like some of its parts sort of thing, I I like that because I just want to get cozy with it and let it take me on a journey. You know, I have no problem with slow burns either. Uh, one of my favorite slow burn movies is. Uh, Ty West's House of the Devil, and I get in arguments with people all the time because they're like, that movie is so boring, and I'm like, it's so good, (laughs) just like, you know, I don't know. This makes House of the Devil look like the most
0: action-packed thing you've ever seen in your life. It makes House of the Devil look like John Wick 1 through 4 combined, but.
1: I just laughed so hard my headphones came off. (laughs)
0: House of the Devil is a great movie also and Ty West of course has gone on to um, some pretty impressive things I knew he would as well but I love independent (laughs) horror I love when directors take huge risks like this and I love when they're successful with it you know I'm so happy that this movie has made money I mean I'm sure a lot of the people who are in that theater with me did not appreciate it but I think there were some there who did as well Um, it was fun also because I was in the theater that week to see Avatar 2 which is uh, like as mainstream a movie Movies, which was also great and uh, we will be talking about James Cameron a little bit later tonight but you know you couldn't have seen two more different movies I think I saw one on Thursday and the other one on Friday which was a rare back-to-back movie days for me and uh, they were both a lot of fun and uh, good time.
1: I laugh because for some reason when you were like Marink makes the house of the devil look like the most action-packed movie ever and I was thinking like what movie that would be and I'm like Marink makes the house of the devil look like Total Recall or something like that. <laughs> Crank like <two>? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. No, I'll definitely check it out for sure.
0: Yeah, I'm interested in your thoughts and uh, any of our listeners. You know, there's been some great stuff. I follow a, a number of different horror communities on social media, and the discussions about it have been just as interesting as the movie, and I've contributed here and there. But, uh, you know, I, I think the best thing I can say is, if you feel like this is something that you might be into then you probably will be into it give it time uh just like i said let it work on you and uh, and i think it will but uh we do need to get into those vampire movies so i think without further ado we got nothing else to talk about so uh we'll be right back to talk about near dark
1: caleb colton no longer belongs to our world we give him a week to see if we can call him one of us he belongs to hers. But you have to learn to kill. He belongs to oh, theirs. I don't want to kill. He makes a kill tonight. And they all belong to the night. It's 3 hours short for a bus to get home. You help me out? What are you on?
0: All right, we are back to talk about 1987's Near Dark, the solo directorial debut of Catherine Bigelow. If you're familiar with that name, it's probably because she is an established and well-known director for things that are nothing like horror movies. Um, She won the Oscar uh, for Best Director for the movie The Hurt Locker, which I believe was also Best Picture, somewhere around... I want to say 2008, that film was. She also made Zero Dark Thirty. She's also the director of some fantastic genre films. So, if you're familiar with Point Break from the 90s, and we know you are because that movie's awesome, uh, she directed that, as well as one of my favorite 90s films, Strange Days. But this is a. Man, I mean, it's it's a genre hybrid, to be sure. It's a road movie. It's a neo-Western. It's kind of a, a noir, almost. It's a vampire movie. It's an action movie, for sure. It's a... I mean, it's it's sort of tangentially a horror movie, but I think its connection to horror is less what it does and more just sort of what it's about, which is a band of vampires. And there's so many places that we could start with this. I mean... One of the things you have to talk about here is the cast, because this is one Mm. of the great supporting casts, I think, ever assembled for a genre movie. A lot of them, because there's an association between Catherine Bigelow and James Cameron, who we mentioned a while back uh, at the time, so he made Aliens in 1986, and you get a bunch of cast members from that in this one, and they're all fantastic. If you like them in Aliens, you'll absolutely like them in this movie, and they're playing completely different characters, but the supporting cast of this includes the great Lance Henriksen, the late, great Bill Paxton, who, oh man, I I, I love that guy so much. We're going to talk about him so much tonight. He ended up being a great horror director as well. He made one of my favorite movies, uh, horror movies of all time, which is 2002's Frailty. But Uh, Before that, he just he did these supporting roles in genre films that are just movies for the ages. You know, he's he's eternally memorable from Aliens. And I think just as much in this movie. It's also got the great Jeanette Goldstein, who played Vasquez in Aliens, a character who you know, has lived in genre fans' minds forever and ever. Uh, She's great in that. She's great in this, playing a completely different character from that one. So there's that neat sort of crossover uh, between Aliens and Near Dark. And then James Cameron and Catherine Bigelow uh, ended up being a romantic item not too long after this also. So all kinds of connections there. Uh, This one stars Adrian Pasdar and Jenny Wright. And there's a great supporting performance by Tim Thomerson, genre film legend from the 80s. He was Jack Death in Trancers, which is a really, really fun movie that I don't think gets talked about enough anymore. That was like 84 or something like that, like the uh, time-traveling cop movie. He was a stand-up comedian. Unfortunately, like he's he's great in transfers because he's really funny and sort of quippy and sarcastic. He plays a very serious role in this one. He's the main character's father, which is weird because I don't think they're that different in age. But Tim Thomerson like went gray, I think, prematurely. Um, but he's a, a big part of this movie as well. And it's just it's like everyone in this movie is perfectly cast in this movie. The the faces in this one and and just the acting styles are perfectly suitable for what this is. So, um, I don't know. I mean, we, we will talk much, much more about the cast. The score is something we need to discuss as well, but I guess we, you know, let's just do the the plot rundown real quick. It's not particularly complicated here, Chris, I'm going to throw it over to you. And I don't know if I've forgotten anything, if there's a cast member, that's awesome that I didn't mention. I tried to just nail that all down first because this is a movie uh, you got to see it just for the people who are in it. I think if nothing else.
1: It's so weird how everything's connected because I've been watching, going back and watching some of those uh, older like Broken Lizard production movies. Like, <laughs> yeah, I love you those know, guys. Like, Yeah, like Beer Fest and the slamming Salmon, <laughs> and it's like god. I was watching like the Slam Salmon and Lance Hendrickson is in it, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> And then um, <laughs> Bill Paxton Bill...
0: is in Club Dread.
1: <laughs> yes. And, and I was just like, what the hell is going on here? So I've been getting quite a bit of both Lance and uh, Bill Saxton lately.
0: Oh, man. I, can I just say nice really bit. quickly? I mean, I know Club Dread is kind of a divisive movie as well. And, and most people mm-hmm. say that's the weakest of the Broken Lizard franchise. But Bill Paxton in that movie, he basically plays a, a very thinly veiled <laughs> Jimmy Buffett. <laughs>
1: It's so good. And he's I'm sorry, I love so, it. Yeah. so
0: funny in that movie. I mean, it's kind of uh, of interest to horror fans. It's basically a parody of slasher movies, even though they, yeah. they barely even get around to that because they're just kind of doing their usual broken lizard thing. And, you know, it's not as funny as Super Troopers, but man, there are some great, great moments in that one. And yeah, again, uh, just testament to what an incredible actor Bill Paxton was and, and another person who sadly we lost uh, well before his time. He died pretty young as well. It wasn't that long ago, but an incredible career. I mean, I I will watch that guy in just about anything. And this is, you know, a lot of people say this is his, uh, his sort of defining role. And I certainly get that now that I've finally, finally seen this movie.
1: Yep. And I mean, this is like, so it takes place in, uh, like, really, you know, small town America, we have um, uh, Adrian is uh, past our playing Caleb is our main character in this movie. Caleb is the son of uh, his father's a farmer. And then he has a younger sister, too, I believe. Yeah. And uh,
0: yeah, he's a he's a cowboy, right? Like he is literally a cowboy. His dad owns a, cowboy, a ranch yeah. and he's kind of rustling or I, I don't know. I, I'm such a New England city boy. But, uh, you know, his job, his job is literally that he's a, a cowboy. It is set in the modern day, which is, is important. Yeah. Or, or he knows that he really
1: knows how to break a horse. Sure, he does. You. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anyway, the movie gets going right away. You know, he he meets uh Jenny Wright's character, May, and you know, it's weird cuz like he's you know, he's at a bar and he's he's trying to pick her up and everything and kind of, you know, gives her a ride and takes her out in the in their they're in this like uh, takes her to this ranch sort of thing or whatever and you know, he's he's they're they're being pretty flirtatious with each other and everything. and uh, turns out she's a vampire. <laughs> um, and su- successfully bites Caleb. And, well he, you
0: know. he tries to like woo her first right and uh, oh, and, yeah. and she's very interested she's like showing him how cool the stars look at night and everything like you know she could just be a hippie chick kind of person but there's yeah. something a little off a little weird about her and he's very very aggressive with her I think which is you mm-hmm. know probably a, a an artifact of the time that this movie was made um, he kind of comes off a little bit as a dirt bag at first but she's very insistent on getting home by a certain time like she's got some kind yeah. of a curfew and we very quickly find out that that's because these vampires in this movie really, really cannot be in the sunlight at all, and uh, that is a device that runs kind of throughout the entire film. It's not quite as bad as John Carpenter's vampires, where they just spontaneously combust when sunlight hits them, (laughs) but it's pretty close to that. I mean, it it takes a a longer time for them to burn up from being in sunlight, but not too much longer. The great cover image of this uh, comes from a scene where Bill Paxton's character is just kind of briefly exposed to sunlight and just like burns up the the special effects makeup in this, by the way, another incredible thing about it, really, really good looking stuff to this day.
1: Yeah, and and what's really cool about this is that you know May's um I don't know clan of vampires, if you will, I mean they literally dip around in this like Winnebago. Yep, which I thought was also a really cool device in the movie. And yeah, you're right. I mean, the, it's like they literally like their skin like goes ablaze if it if it touches sunlight. So uh, the name of the vampires is called Severin. And... Severance,
0: uh, Bill Paxton's character. Yeah, the uh, the leader is Jesse, played by Lance Henriksen, and just an oh, incredible yes. performance. He right. uh, he has said this is his favorite movie that he's ever made, and he's made some pretty awesome movies. You know, again, he's Ash. He's he's in Aliens, and he still likes this one better. And I sort of understand because he's a very cool character in this one. Oh,
1: must have been so much fun to play this role. Oh and God, then, uh... yeah. I mean,
0: they're like uh, they're outlaws, basically. You know, they're yep. like Western outlaws, kind of driving through the desert in a Winnebago. They've all been alive for a very very long. time. Oh, Time. I mean, this is uh, yeah. this is one of those vampire movies that much like Jim Jarmusch's Only Lovers Left Alive, a movie that I just love, love so, so much this movie really plays with that idea of what would it be like to live for hundreds of years? What would you do? How would you get by? You know, how would you react to the modern world? So they're all kind of different. You know, they all got turned at different times, right? But there is this sort of roving band of vampires. Caleb is bitten by May and, you know, he's kind of in love with her. But also there's this question of, you know, at first he's like, I got to get away from these people or or whatever they are they're kind of not people anymore but he sort of gets seduced into this whole world almost um you know he is now a vampire and of course has to drink blood to survive interestingly enough they never use the word in this movie like and we don't see any fangs so this much like the other movie we're going to talk about tonight boys from county hell does kind of add some wrinkles to the vampire genre and sort of the traditional vampire lore you know crosses and garlic and sunlight and all the things you know not everything works exactly according to that plan um, but basically a lot of this movie is caleb trying to decide you know do i join them do i kill them and then myself because they are are sort of inflicting all this violence uh, on people and have been doing that for years and years, um, but they certainly are a very charismatic group of, of like, you know, almost biker-like outlaws led by Jesse and his longtime lover, a very, very longtime lover, Diamondback, played by Jeanette Goldstein, Vasquez, um, although she looks nothing like Vasquez in this movie. And yeah, I mean, I guess that's where you get that sort of Western side of it, right?
1: Yes, and I was and I was going to mention I had it here but it's it's established that um Jesse Lance Hendrickson's character is sort of the the leader of this group and you know when Caleb first gets in the RV which I won't say exactly how cuz I think that's a pretty cool scene but it is uh, yeah it they're like so intimidating. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's kind of like you're like, "May, wait a minute. I thought you were going to be nice to this guy." <laughs> and they're like not having it. And one thing that is really scary about this movie is how you know like anyone, I guess, when you, when you first become a vampire. It's <laughs> such a weird thing to say. Uh, you know, at first you you, may, you might think to yourself, oh, this is great, you know, this immortality and all this, but uh, it's kind of scary. I've never seen a movie where it's sort of like, look, if you want to roll with us, like, you've got to hold your own. Yeah. So, like, let's, you know, you have to, like, murder people, basically. and And Caleb, that's where he has sort of the, like, moral conflict of, like, He's obviously never killed anyone before.
0: Yeah, he's he's not a great guy, but he's got a conscience, and you know, it, like he has to do it to survive. Um, you know, you can drink blood and and not necessarily kill people, but you'd get caught pretty easily just biting someone and running, right? So yeah, you know, you, and- you, you can't really leave a, a a trail of witnesses behind you. And it is, you know, May is definitely very attracted, like sincerely attracted to him, and and same thing with him and her. So you know, do I want to be with her and and have eternal life with these vampires or is there some other option is, is kind of this yeah, th- this movie is there's some interesting morality going on here you know and mm-hmm. it does really kind of make a big deal out of that like this isn't just a horror movie this isn't just an action movie um, it is I think very strongly character driven which I like a lot
1: I know we're jumping around here a little bit but we, we do have some bases to cover uh, the score is by Green Tangerine a Tangerine Dream a tangerine Dream. <laughs> Although great I tangerine. like that old <laughs> time. What was I thinking? I'm sorry. I'm just going off the top of my head here. Yes, Tangerine Dream. I apologize if I offended anyone by saying that.
0: Yeah, great sort of synthy score. Perfect.
1: Yep. Just like exactly what the movie needs. So uh excellent well, well it is,
0: Chris, but like I was thinking this through the whole movie. Like it's got this very eighties kind of, you know, Giorgio Maroder Vangelis yes. kind of score going on. Yes. In it. Uh, or John Carpenter. Kind of, kind of goblin kinda, kinda Goblin-ish, Sure. But like, this is a cowboy movie, you know, it's a desert movie. And so what you'd usually get is like, you know, country rock, almost like a, they live kind of score. And instead it's like this score, I feel like could almost work in a, a, Blade Runner type movie or something like that. Yeah. So it's an odd choice, but it works so, so well. It's like Chris, I, yeah. I texted you about this. I've been listening to this score a lot. This thing is on Spotify and um, let this be the soundtrack to your life. It's, it's one of those great 80s movie scores. Like, are we ever going to get anything like this again? Uh, there's Disaster piece, right? I shouldn't say that because uh, I love Ooh. the stuff he does. And, uh, and, of course, Cliff Martinez. If you like their work, um, like, you know, and it follows and drive and only God forgives. I think you'll really dig the score for this movie as well.
1: Yeah, you're so right. It's funny you mentioned that cuz I'm thinking about uh, Carpenter's Vampires and like TT totally went for that like whiskey like rock blues yeah, yeah, sort yeah, of Yeah, sure. <laughs> yep. But um yeah, it, it it that's an interesting juxtaposition because you could totally put this score to like a sci-fi film. Yeah. But I like that and some great shots in this movie, like some great cinematography of, you know, the sun and just like open landscapes. And, uh, the setting is very, uh, it does a good job of kind of establishing just the world that this whole thing is in. And, you know, it's like, I saw this movie based on a recommendation of someone who was, you know, we're talking about vampire movies. And that's the thing that's kind of sad about this movie to me is that when, you do research on it. Like when it came out, this, this movie, was just like, I mean, largely ignored. It didn't really do anything at the box office. It was kind of like a forgotten film. Yeah. And when it was on shutter, that was like the, the, it was very brief. Then you had this opportunity to watch it and, I liked it enough where I was trying to find the Blu-ray and that is not an easy thing to do. I mean, there was a period of time where I literally couldn't figure out how to watch this until it just came back on Shudder. So uh, another awesome reason to watch Shudder because they, you know, the fact that they put this back on, I thought it has to be by popular demand or something.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's surprising to me because and maybe there was a re-release or something. I don't know exactly about what the, the release history of this was. But again, Catherine Bigelow is an Oscar winning director, one of the only. Women to win a Best Director Oscar for yeah. uh, *The Hurt Locker*, which is a great movie as well. So maybe like around that time would have been a great time to say, "Hey, if you like this, check out this very early film that she did before she made, you know, much more famous stuff like *Point Break* and *Blue Steel*. And I mean, she's made a lot of really cool movies. And I I will say about this one, um, just before I forget, the direction of this is incredible. I mean, you can mm-hmm. very very much tell that she's gonna. That, that she's just a really solid action director and a really solid filmmaker sort of all around and you know I, I, I love when these sort of prestige directors that make Oscar type films like The Hurt Locker start out in this sort of gritty grungy genre B-movie sort of world and yeah. man she just takes this and runs with it. There's a shootout scene in this movie that is very very similar to one in one of my favorite movies Arthur Penn's Bonnie and Clyde um, where the characters are holed up in like a motel and the police come after them and there's just a a great action sequence and chase sequence that arises from that and it's just so so well done i mean she's a terrific action choreographer action director i mean she she went on to make some great action movies right strange days and point break and even the hurt locker you could sort of uh classify as an action movie and um I just I mean, you can tell she's just she's got the perfect eye for this. You sort of always know who's shooting at who and who is where and she establishes the space really well. And the rhythm and the movement of it is just it's, it's really sort of amazing to see. And uh, and, you know, again, it, I think it does draw pretty heavily from Bonnie and Clyde and, and what better influence than that? Um, there's some great chase sequence. I, I don't want to spoil too much of what the action is in this, but this is as good an action movie as it is any other thing uh, that, that it attempts.
1: Side note, Blue Steel is a good movie. Yeah, um, yeah, I saw a, that when I was a kid. Jamie, Jamie Lee, Lee Curtis. Curtis. Yep, and that is actually a um that's an Oliver Stone production. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um but the the bar scene is <laughs> like incredible. I mean, that is that to me that is a mic drop moment in this movie where like I could just I could watch that like and it and it just goes on and on, man. It's like it's like a 15 minute scene. Yeah. And I I could just watch it on loop.
0: It's the centerpiece of the movie, sure. And I think even if you don't like it up to that point, like, that's got to perk your ears up and make you pay attention. So, Bill Paxton, I mean, we got to talk a little bit more about him. So, Jesse, played by Lance Henriksen, and Diamondback are sort of the de facto leaders of this group. Um, There's another member of the group who's, he's basically like, uh, he was turned when he was a little kid, but I think it's implied that he's actually the oldest of all of them, but he looks like basically a a 13-year-old, which has got to be kind of a Mm -hmm. shitty way to go through your endless life. Yeah. And there's some interesting stuff with that. Um, but Bill Paxson's character Severin is like the cocky, younger, sort of like second in command. And he's kind of an asshole, but he's a very, very char- charismatic asshole. And Bill Paxson just has so much fun, you know, mugging and posing and threatening Adrian Pazdar. Kind of like, you know, just like throwing his weight around in this movie. He's so much fun. I mean, he's like he's a Tarantino character almost before there were Tarantino movies or Tarantino mm. characters. I mean, he's just, he's so much fun. And in that bar scene is where he gets to just let it rip. And, oh man, it is, it's so great. I mean, unlike skin of a just watch that scene. I mean, you're going to want to see the rest of the movie, but if nothing else, please let us at least uh, recommend that scene to you. Cause it is, you're right. It's incredible.
1: Yep. And, um, it's a totally—he's just chewing up the scene in this. Oh god, and, yeah. And, Costumes mean, it, are great, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Caleb, you know, his journey through this whole thing. Like we were kind of talking before about, you know, what what he decides to do. I mean, there 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 are there is a moment where he kind of like proves himself to the group and everything. And uh, but all the while, I mean, he's a missing person to his father and uh, younger daughter,
0: his sister, uh, yeah. Oh or, it, yeah, his Loy's Lloyd's younger daughter. Yeah, and that, right. that's kind of a subplot that is. You know, it, it runs through the entire movie, and and it gives Tim Thomerson at least a chance to be in this movie a little bit. But again, I I look at Tim Thomerson and I'm thinking Jack Death, and he doesn't get to be funny here at all. But it is kind of an interesting, you know, like in a movie like this, you never see the character's parents, and uh, and here's his like very sort of devoted, caring father out looking for him. Which, um, you know, there's there's a lot of humanity in this movie actually. I mean, not that it's the most sensitive thing I've ever seen, but it is, like I said, strongly emotional. And strongly character-driven, and you know, these aren't just sort of, like, caricatures in this movie, but, uh, but you know, Caleb has some really important choices to make, and, and there are people that care about him outside of this band of vampires, this roving band of um, <laughs> Winnebago driving vampires. I love, one of the things they do a few times in this movie, I was mentioning the sunlight stuff, and, like, literally, you know, if there's a window open in a car during the day, if they're driving during the daytime, they have to cover up all the windows, so they, like, carry around like I think it's aluminum foil or something like they have to like they steal cars and cover up every single window and they have ways of sort of driving without having to have the sunlight hit them and you know it's just, it's a very creative sort of modern inversion of what the vampire mythos is right you know the whole they can't be out in the sunlight thing and even though there's other stuff that that doesn't work on them that absolutely does and it becomes kind of the the key plot device in the movie is uh, is them just trying to stay out of sunlight
1: i love the scene where caleb is just trying to get the like the the, the bus home or the train home or whatever it is and he's said he's like so cashed and um that you know the guy who's selling the tickets like shows zero sympathy on him it's <laughs> yeah. like you're like you're fatigued just watching it and like yeah uh, there's that very there's that cameo by uh, I recognize the actor Troy Evans I don't know Mm. where I've seen him before but I know he's in a bunch of stuff
0: yeah he's a really famous character actor and I like I saw his face and I was like oh I know that guy but then I was like where do I know that guy from he's been in like everything if you look at his IMDB like all right so right here just uh, before I even look into it (laughs) fear and loathing in Las Vegas under siege with Steven Seagal demolition man teen wolf (laughs) he's he's all over the place
1: Nice. I love how you had to say "Under Siege" with Steven Seagal. I like yeah. that. <laughs> I, well, um, I think
0: there's another movie called "Under Siege." I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's a cool film. Also, we should mention that it's nice, tight hour and thirty-four minutes. And and the dude, the action scenes in this are amazing. It's suspenseful it's it's got you know it's got enough gore i think for horror fans not a ton but it's you know there's some there's definitely some violence in this movie it
0: earns its r rating i would say even for the time
1: yeah for sure and i love all those throwbacks to like when they're talking about you know the chicago fire and the civil war and all that and they're just kind of like joking about like how long they've been around and stuff like that. It's just
0: i don't, don't want to spoil weird. it, but lance hendrickson uh yeah he's got a great line about how long he's been alive and and how he became a vampire and uh, it's it's an incredible performance by him i've always liked that guy a lot but um you know again this is one of his defining movies and I'm i'm so glad i finally saw it Chris, I, I want to rate this thing. I actually, you know, we, we may have more to say, but I think anything else that I say is going to be directly tied to my my rating. So I don't know. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? I, I have some further thoughts, uh, and we may run into some, some disagreement here.
1: Well, I, okay. I, I am confident. I think
0: I know where your head is at, though.
1: Oh, yeah? Yeah. What do you think? What do you think? What's, I'm what's
0: thinking. Th- I'm thinking. You're going all the way with this one. You're going to give it a five out of five.
1: I am absolutely giving this a five out of five. I love this movie. I. This is one of the best movies we've watched on the show, and it's a movie that I want to have in my collection. I would watch it annually, and it's just so freaking unique. And in a, in a, in a world where there's so many damn movies with with this premise, I think it really stands out for its uniqueness, its performance. I mean you mentioned the direction too it's like it 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 just feels like it's made by like a virtuoso at, at making films yep. and i i love the 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 atmosphere of it the the coziness of it it's just Fucking awesome. So I was gonna go forward with it, but then the more I thought about it, I was I was looking at some of the other movies that I've given Atkins Campbell's to, and this one had like a slight edge on it. So again, it's one of those things where maybe if we were gonna do like 05s fives, I'd do a four point five. But then I was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go ahead and give it the five. Um so now this can sit alongside uh, I also gave a five out of five. We both gave five out of fives to uh black Christmas from 1974.
0: Yep. That's the only one I've, I've handed out a five out of five to.
1: Yep, And I did Baba's black Sunday. So I would definitely put this on a, on a, an equivalent level as far as how much I enjoyed it and how much I would recommend it to like anybody that's, that's into horror films. It's like, I'd be like, dude, you have to watch near dark. Um, Is it a perfect movie? I mean, I'm sure that's what we're going to get into (laughs) um, when you give your score, because I have a feeling where I know where you're going, but maybe not. Should I -I R.I.Y.L. this sucker right now?
0: Yeah, go ahead. You're going to love mine, by the way, but I'll let you go first with that, too.
1: Well, I think there's an obvious one, right? Like, I think the obvious one is The Lost Boys, right? Because... Like so many things you read about this movie is like, you know, I think The Lost Boys was the vampire movie of that era. The that same year. Become, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're yeah, like compared a lot. And wildly more popular. I mean, yeah. everybody knows like The Lost Boys, right? So if you're a fan in, of The Lost Boys, like this is the next movie you need to see in, in that genre. Um I did on a on a side note, I wrote down from Dustal Dawn, even though it's like, you know. A different movie, but I could see uh, enjoying some of the elements of this film if you like from Dustal Dawn. But my official R.I.Y.L. is going to be uh, The Lost Boys.
0: Yeah, those are both really good ones. I mean, I've definitely seen... And it's kind of a shame, right? Like, The Lost Boys was the more mainstream movie. It was tamer, more sort of like, you know, I think it was an R-rated movie. But, like, every kid saw that in the 80s, you know? Like, it was yep. it was a safe enough movie where, yes, there's some some horror stuff in it. But, you know, the characters are young and, and you could kind of get into it in a sort of young adult sort of way. Sure. Um, yeah. This is a great, you know, if you see that movie in the 80s... 80s and you're like oh that's really cool and you go down to the video store and pick this one up this is like kind of advanced studies of of what that's doing i mean i think this is a much better movie than the lost boys
1: but do do you remember the the 90s hip-hop group lost boys even vaguely a funny story about that i remember when they they put out there was either their first or second album uh, Legal Drug Money, which is a fucking stone-cold classic. I was so ignorant when I was younger that, like, I thought that tape had something to do with, like, The Lost Boys <laughs> movie. <laughs> And obviously it had nothing to do with it, but... Um, that was
0: such a big movie. I mean, yeah. like, when I was a kid, I, I was I read my Leonard Malton books all the time. So I knew of Near Dark, but, like, I had never seen it. And uh, and certainly The Lost Boys, like, I, I frequented the video store a lot when I was but this, uh, is, that's a my little point, guy. Though. And that movie, you know, they had ten copies of it. Like, it was just so easy to get a hold of. And I
1: don't right, know. It, I
0: mean, it, it's a good movie, but I don't think it's a classic in any way.
1: But I'm just saying, like, in your defense... You know, like, when would you have seen it? Like, how would you have seen it? I guess is sort of my thing. Like, it just seems like one of those movies that's, it's such an underground gem that it's actually, you know, you can't just like go on any streaming service and rent it or find it. It's just like not there.
0: Yeah, but I mean, you know, during the, the VHS era, I also uh, had a little bit of a crush when I was a kid on Jenny Wright, because she was on Young Guns yeah. 2, <laughs> I think she was <laughs> Billy the Kid, Emilio Estevez's love interest in Young Guns 2, another oh Western, um, and I liked that movie a lot, I liked both of those movies when I was yeah, a kid, they're great. I remember thinking yeah. she was uh, very, very attractive, so, I don't know, I just, um, there were so many connections, I loved Aliens, of course, because who doesn't love Aliens, that's, uh, mm-hmm. that's a five-star movie if I've ever seen one.
1: Oh, sure, yeah, no question.
0: All right, well, I have to be a little harsh. I have to be a little objective right now. Sure. I had a great time with this movie. I, I agree with everything that you said, except for your rating. <laughs> and I'm so glad I finally saw this. I mean, my experience with it was a great one and I have to be very careful here. I don't want to spoil this movie because I'm sure there's people out there like me who haven't seen it. There is a plot point in this movie. There's a thing that this movie does a sort of device that it introduces later on that I thought was very stupid that I thought Mm. really took me out of the story that I thought kind of undermined all the stakes of this movie and you know, because everything else was so well crafted, that really, really did not sit well with me. And, you know, I thought maybe it was okay because it's kind of brought up at one point and I was like, all right, that's not so great. Maybe we won't have to think about that again. And then it comes up again and becomes kind of even more important. And, you know, I think I know what you're talking about. I'm sure you do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, And I want to kind of dance around it a little bit just because, you know, I'm so sensitive to spoilers and I'm, I'm so glad nobody spoiled it for me because I don't know, it probably would have made me not want to watch this. um, mm-hmm. and, and I would have missed out on some great stuff. If I hadn't done that, you know, uh, the bar scene you can watch without even having to think about this thing, whatever it yep. is. But I just, it, it felt very cheap, very easy. And, and like I said, you know, this movie had great stakes and I was very emotionally invested in it. And then this thing happens. And I was like, uh so that's one thing about it the other thing is you know you mentioned liking this movie because it's 94 minutes and i agree with you in most cases about that i like uh particularly genre movies b movies you know i like when they're kind of down and dirty and get things done and let you kind of go on with your life you know they don't need to be three hour movies all the time but i will say i felt like this one the pacing was a little weird and i almost wanted it to slow down a little bit more you know yeah it
1: leaves you wanting more
0: yeah i mean this is a really road movie, right? And, and road movies are about, you know, characters kind of isolated on a journey together and they get to know each other. And there's a little bit of that in this movie. Not that there's a little bit of it. I mean, it's, it's a pretty major thing that happens in the movie is just kind of traveling with this band of outlaws, these, this vampire gang essentially on the road. But, you know, because it is so character driven, I would like this to be a little bit more of a hangout movie and I'd like to spend a little bit more time with them and and just sort of get to know them better because, you know, every time Lance Henriksen talks in this movie or Bill Paxton talks in this movie or or Jeanette Goldstein, which I I really want to see more of her. Like, you know, she's in it a lot, but we don't really get to see a ton of her like doing stuff. I I don't know if that describes it well, but she's... uh,
1: Catherine Bigelow, where is the um, where's the director's cut of
0: this? Sure. Yeah. I mean, if there is one, I, I have to imagine in some ways it's a better movie because I don't know, I was having such a good time with these characters, and then I sort of look at how much of this movie is left, and I'm like, oh, there's not too much at all. Uh, and it really okay. ramps up after a while. Um, you know, so it's yeah. uh so there's way less time to to sort of hang out with these characters. I do like you mentioned like when he's when he's desperate for blood at one point and he's at mm-hmm. the train station and all that. You know, a lot of movies. movies Movies have compared vampirism to addiction, like coming down from drugs Mm -hmm. and... Um, I think this movie does a great job of that as well. I and mean, it's not the most original idea, but it is kind of thing like, yeah, he's just completely wiped and, uh, and you know, near death at a couple of points in this movie. And it's because he needs to kill and drink blood. Um, so I'm going to give this an Atkins Campbell, a four out of five. Sorry. I will say, just like you did, Chris, it's a 4.5. I would yeah. say this is the second best movie we've watched uh, on this show. Right. So uh, or mm. the second best one that we've reviewed on this show. So I love Black Christmas. I think that's a perfect movie. This Veteran. is a perfect. Perfect in some way oh much much better ending. entirely a million times better ending i know um but there's so much good here and and it's just catherine bigelow does such a great job with this and you know she went on to make her four and five star movies after this one so (laughs) i don't feel so bad saying i mean i would have loved to have really loved this and and there's so many very cool things about it but man it just that script does some things late in the game that i was just like what are you thinking but
1: totally valid totally valid criticism it's just it's like Yeah, I feel like this is one of those films that just made for me, you know, like, especially this being my second time watching it, Nick, I was sitting there just going, oh my God, I love this. Like, it's just, it just... uh... I mean,
0: to a point, I thought the same thing. And then it kind of betrayed me a little bit, I guess I could say. And, you know, we'd love to hear from you, your thoughts on this movie, if you've seen it, if you're a fan of it. Um, You know, I I could be totally wrong about this, but there is just one thing, and you'll know what it is, I think, when you see it. And and, and you'll sort of know what rubbed Nick the wrong way about Near Dark, but...
1: What are your R.I.Y.L. or what is your R.I.Y.L.? I'm very curious.
0: My R.I.Y.L. for this movie is Rob Zombie's The Devil's Rejects. Ooh because Rob Zombie's The Devil's Rejects if you think about it it's a road movie with very charismatic characters and a great supporting cast where you know it's oh, a great one. We love the Firefly family in the sense that they're awesome characters and they're a lot of fun to be around but also they're horrible people and do horrible things like much like the vampires movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I will say Lance Henriksen's crew is not quite as bad as they are. They're not quite as sadistic <laughs> as they are. Um, But they're just as fun to hang around with. And uh, and actually, I think Rob Zombie kind of does a better job at making his movie a hangout movie. You know, like we get to know them a lot better, I think, in in Devil's Rejects than than we do in this film. But I just um, had the
1: funniest idea I have to think of it (laughs) like. I'm sorry. A versus but,
0: movie? You're thinking a versus movie.
1: Yeah, well, no, because you mentioned... I, I, Dude, I just thought of, like, what if the Firefly family, on top of everything, were vampires? <laughs> and, and, like, and, and you called the movie, like, fucking, like, Dracula's Rejects or something? <laughs>
0: I think I would call that oh. overkill, but... Yeah, I mean, it, it does, like, a lot of the things that I like about that movie, The Devil's Rejects, I like about this one as well, and, you know, this one is more interesting in a moral sense, because Caleb is our main character, and, and he is our kind of audience surrogate, and mm-hmm. he does some pretty terrible stuff, and he uh, aids and abets oh, them yeah. doing some pretty terrible stuff, but also he is kind of a, a family-oriented person, and there's this stuff with his father <laughs> and his sister, and I think it's it's morally thorny by design, and I think that's uh, one of the best things about the script by Catherine Bigelow and Eric Redd is that we do we kind of care for everyone in this movie but also you know we care for the innocent victims as well and that's a tough place to be in and I think a very interesting place to be in.
1: Like the scene with the truck driver like you know like stuff like that it's like yeah. it's, it's so hard to watch because like I'm just like oh my god how difficult how <laughs> scared would you be to like at you know like the, pr- the like the, the the pressure and just uh, you know, trying to make small talk when you know, like, what the intentions are, sort of thing. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Just really, really good stuff.
0: That reminded me of, and I mean, this is a. You know, it's it's a much more serious movie. But remember Monster with Charlize Theron where she played uh, <laughs> Eileen Warnos, the That's serial killer, the female ser- serial killer and from uh, Daytona Beach. Yeah, That's a <laughs> tough one to forget. <laughs> yeah, from your Neck of the Woods. Yeah, I mean it's um there are a bunch of scenes like that in that movie where she was kind of like trying to get in with these potential victims and uh, and I did get a little bit of that vibe from this one as well. And mm. yes, it's uncomfortable, but like it's uncomfortable in a really interesting way, and I think that makes it a more just a, a deeper and more interesting movie than, you know, say they were just vampires on the road and they only kill like bad people. Like they go around sort of uh, almost like vigilantes. And, you know, when someone's a worse person than they are, well, then let's drink that person's blood so we can kind of absolve our, our consciences. It's not like that. You know, there's innocent victims in this movie, um, but it is it's, it's a very seductive thing. I mean, you know, their lifestyle isn't that glamorous, right? Like they're living in motels and RVs and stuff like that. But also, they're living forever. And, uh, and when you can only come out at night, I'm sure that May is right, that the stars and the moon are that much more beautiful. So um, I think, you know, again, this is a great movie in, in almost every way. And I really, really liked it. I'm so glad we finally got to talk about it. And a great addition to the Shutter catalog, the Shutter library, and, and well worth seeing if you've slept on it for as long as I have. And well worth seeing again if you haven't seen it in quite a while.
1: Fucking can't believe I said green tangerine. What
0: the <laughs> <hell is> that? <laughs> that sounds like something. I don't know exactly yeah. what. <laughs> that that sounds like a weed strain. I don't think it is, but it definitely sounds <sighs> like one.
1: X, I'm so glad we 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 watched it.
0: Me it's, too. That's the bottom line. Yeah. Me too. Very very much and uh RIP Bill Paxton. Man, I I love that guy so
1: much. Uh 4K Blu-ray release is upon us coming soon, I believe.
0: Yeah, uh, it's a great great looking movie. All right, well, uh, we've got more vampire movies to talk about, so we are moving from the American West to Ireland. Uh, we will be right back to talk about The Boys. Sorry, it's just Boys from County Hell, not yep. The Boys from County Hell. We'll be talking about that in just a minute. Check out some of the trailer. I saw something Fuck. weird. Who's stuff. Fuck this, I'm out! There's a vampire
1: on my sake! That we fucker tried to bite me. This isn't Dracula. People don't get turned from a fucking bite. They get turned by the stones from Albertax's grave.
0: All right, we are back to talk about Boys from County Hell. This is a 2020 film written and directed by Chris Baugh, B-A-U-G-H. B-A-U-G-H. I don't know how that name is pronounced. And because he's Irish, I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong anyway. Um, there are so many Irish names that are so deceivingly easy looking, and, and I always pronounce them wrong. Um, but there is there's kind of an interesting Irish horror tradition. And I sort of like Irish movies anyway. Chris, have you seen Banshees of In yet before we get into boys? Boys from county hell
1: no and i really do it's
0: awesome I, it's I, really yeah. really good um de- definitely uh i don't know if it's the front runner for the oscar this year but i i think it definitely has a good shot at getting some awards like a screenplay or a best actor um really, really like that movie a lot. And, you know, I have no uh, physical connection to Ireland, but for some reason I, I'm, I'm as Italian American as you can get. I'm a hundred percent that, but I love Irish music, Irish film, mm. Irish writing, poetry and literature and stuff like that. And lots of my friends are very Irish and really sort of enjoy their culture a lot and celebrate their culture a lot. So I'm, I'm pretty well versed in sort of Irish media and Irish film and stuff like that. And so I thought this would be an interesting movie to check out, um, because of that. And also this was your pick. I mean, I'm I'm not going to say I chose it, but, uh, it was something I definitely wanted to see just because I enjoy movies from this part of the world. Um, I love the scenery and and there's some great stuff in this, but this film is about, I I love also this is a father son movie in some way. And, uh, you know, I I always sort of enjoy those, um, particularly when it's a father son movie, that is something else, um, like a, a horror movie. (sighs) <sighs> Chris, would you call this a comedy horror film?
1: Absolutely, one hundred percent.
0: Yeah, I, I mean it's it's not. Outright slapsticky. I would say it's a little more subtle in its humor than, say, like a Shaun of the Dead kind of thing. But also, I think it has some major similarities to uh, Edgar Wright's Shaun of the Dead and, uh, and The World's End as well, which is a movie from that trilogy that, man, I, I wish people loved it more because I think it's the best one. And... Oh, I love it. I am a huge fan of World's <laughs> yeah, End. Yeah, yeah. We've talked about this before. And uh, I think people tend to forget about that movie and, and want to talk about Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead. But that's another story for another day. Do you want to tackle the plot here I'll, I'll i'll get through it quickly um there's a uh young i guess i'd call him like a, a never do well kind of guy kind of a, a slacker named eugene and he lives in a small town in ireland where Um, The sort of claim to fame that this town has is that Bram Stoker visited uh, when he was alive and there is a vampire legend in the town. They say this uh, legendary vampire is buried underneath a cairn of stones out in a field that just so happens to be like on the property of Eugene's best friend, whose name is uh, William. And so this town, like you know, it's it's kind of uh, in the middle of nowhere. It's a really beautiful place, but you wouldn't really go there for anything except to, to be a tourist and check out this vampire location that supposedly inspired Bram Stoker to write Dracula. And so the bar in town, the pub where everybody hangs out, is called the Stoker, I and love it's like that. Va- I yeah, me that. too. It's a great set as well. It's got kind of a yeah. gothic sort of vampire-ish feel about it. But uh, Eugene is you know kind of a, a you know, just a knockabout guy, kind of not really ready to move on with his life or anything like that. Just sort of drinks a lot and messes around with his friends. You know, a very sympathetic character in a lot of ways, but also kind of a slacker. Uh, His dad, whose name is Francie, runs like a road construction company. And his dad is, he's kind of a more put-together type of guy and a hard-working kind of guy, and he just wants his son to, like, get his shit together and and actually make something of his life and tries to offer him work and stuff like that. So basically what happens in this film is... uh, William is killed. Uh, so one of the things, and, and this was, I thought, a pretty funny little thing that, that happens there, is uh, Eugene and William, one of the ways they make money is they, they act as guides to tourists who come through this town to, um, to show them this vampire's grave, essentially.
1: And of course they accept like beer as their uh their cost to do this. Like yeah, that, that which, was pretty funny.
0: Really fun, yeah. That's sort of this little racket that they have running, but they're not making a ton of money doing that. But you know, they're just uh they're like longtime best friends. And he finds out that William is actually leaving to go, you know, actually find a job, I think to, to go to college. And Eugene is, is kind of just bound to this small town that he's grown up in. Uh, William is killed out, right out by that vampire's grave. His blood leaks into it. And, you know, it's a local legend and nobody actually believes it, um, particularly Eugene and William. Right. So they're taking people out there and then they have like another one of their friends jump out and scare them. And, you know, they're, they're just sort of running this little almost con game based around this. Um mm-hmm. But when William is killed out there and his blood leaks into the ground, it awakens this uh, vampiric presence. And so <laughs> the, the road crew comes into it, uh, Eugene's father, because they are going to be actually tearing this down. They're going to build a road right through this field. And so they have to move this cairn of stones and, you know, basically pave over this supposedly sacred gravesite that inspired Bram Stoker. And supposedly there's a like thousands year old vampire buried there. So Eugene ends up on his dad's crew for this uh, when this vampire stuff starts happening. And eventually they end up having to fight off like this outbreak of vampirism in their hometown, Eugene and his father and a bunch of their other friends from town. And uh, and one of the main vampires ends up being William, uh, you know, the first one to be killed as this thing starts. So there's this... Um you know kind of a a dynamic there as well where his best friend becomes a vampire and is part of this major problem that uh, Eugene has to step up and and in some way deal with did i do this any justice at all chris i'm not sure i did
1: that that was no, that was perfect
0: fair enough okay
1: and i have to say um the I you know, I mentioned I love the Stoker. I love that whole idea. Like, I think they were really like kind of shooting for the stars with the concept here a little bit. Like I like the, the all what they do with the blood in this movie. And I've got to say the opening scene to this was awesome.
0: I was just going to say, there's a really great opening scene. It's a flash forward. Um, but it, it is, yeah. it's one of the best scenes in the movie actually.
1: Yep. And they do tie it together a little bit, uh, or they definitely tie it together towards the end. And uh you know, also part of the beginning, you mentioned this before. Just the scenery, God, I, I, I need to go to Ireland, man. I mean, yeah, the, the backdrops are so beautiful in this. I mean, they're just stunning.
0: I will say it's not as pretty as The Banshees of Inna Sharon. I mean, there is some incredible <laughs> scenery and incredible cinematography in that. This is a much lower budget movie and it's a genre film, but um, yeah, I mean, this is just—it's a very, very beautiful place, the Emerald Isle.
1: I can appreciate the humor in this movie. I've I've always been a big fan of um, like Monty Python and stuff like that, and you know you mentioned like Edgar Wright's movies and stuff like that. There's some quips in this that are great. Um, The character S S P yeah uh, is so funny, and you know it really (laughs) like it, it had me going. I mean, I would just say kind of on an overall, I really loved the first half of this movie, and then the second half was kind of like okay um in in my opinion, but you asked me at the top if it qualifies as a as a horror comedy I think absolutely i mean i've seen a lot of like the new a lot of the new horror comedy movies it sort of reminded me of that they're putting on shutter like you know scare package those films are great even though those are kind of more uh anthologies or even um like like Tucker and Dale like movies like that like it had that sort of flavor of of humor in it, and then I think it gets a little bit more serious at the end but um no I thought your description of the plot is is pretty complete
0: I would agree with you there I mean I think a lot of the comedy does come in the first half and it's more you know like I said it's not slapsticky like there's some stuff you know some some kind of action scenes that have a little bit of a comedic sort of flavor to them but you know it's, it's played pretty straight but Eugene is, he's just a a witty character. This movie, it's very Irish in a lot of ways to me because it has this like sardonic kind of sarcastic worldview almost, but mixed with like very kind of deep emotion as well. And I find that in a lot of Irish writing and songwriting and and things like that, where things are very heartfelt, but also there's this kind of like world-weary cynicism as well that I think is is very distinctly Irish. I mean, again, I'm not Irish at all. So I am maybe speaking out of school a little bit here but you know I would characterize a lot of their their writing and their Storytelling is having that sort of vibe about it, and there is, you know, there's some great father-son stuff here. Uh, you know, this relationship between uh, Francie and Eugene, I think, is very interesting, and also this relationship between Eugene and William. You know, these two best friends who are going to be separated. Mm-hmm. It certainly is nowhere near as good in that department as Banshees of Inna Sharon which is like this movie. You know, it's about like the least important thing in the world, but you, but there's this like deep well of emotion about you know these two longtime friends who are not going to be friends anymore. Like that's what that movie is, Um, this one has a little bit of that uh, flavor to it as well. But, um, yeah, I mean, when this does sort of become more of a, an action-oriented, horror-ish, um, less of a comedy-type movie, I do think it's a little bit less successful. Um, the creature design in this is really, really good. The main vampire, his name is like Abertach, something like that. Um, you know, he's like a pre-Dracula yeah. <laughs> sort of figure. We don't see too much of him, but when we do, he looks awesome. Um, but he, it's pretty limited, uh, his, his appearances in this. But I do really like that about it a lot. I would say probably the first half is better than the second. I wanted to like this movie probably a little bit more than I did just because, you know, I do tend to like Irish films and I loved the scenery and and I'm just kind of a sucker for like a a father son movie. And this does a lot of that stuff.
1: I like John Lynch's character in this. Yeah. And there is also sort of a conspiracy that lies in, in, in this in this film as well, because, you know. He is the uh, he's the father of William, correct? Yeah, and he's yeah, and he's he's also the one that owns the land. Yes. Um, that Francie's you know construction company is like they're they're building like a fucking what is it like a like an interstate through it or something? Yeah, they're like, like, like building that. a like, highway right through his property. Yeah, um, and then of course you know there's something that they do. Like it's interesting if you were to compare like the relationship between Eugene and Francie, and then the, the difference between what you know, George ends up having to go through with William. Yeah. Oh, I tell you what though, Nick, this movie got bonus points for me when they fucking played Dawkins Dream Warriors at the end though. Dude, I (laughs) was like like that, yeah. That was that was a nice a nice touch at the end.
0: Yeah, sure.
1: But Oh, you... and, and
0: one thing that I do have to mention, that you alluded to it before, I think we can spell it out a little bit because it's the first scene of the movie. So one of the things I loved about this, I mean, this is another movie that kind of takes that familiar vampire lore and throws most of it out the window and kind of does its own thing, which I like. Um, you know, I it, if you make too traditional of a vampire movie now, like everybody knows, you know, five-year-olds know, you know, crosses and garlic and sunlight and all that stuff. Um, but this one, it's more of like a a sort of vampiric presence, as I said before. And so it like senses blood and it can draw blood out of you. So that opening scene is uh, we see two characters that just start mysteriously bleeding out of like every possible place they could be bleeding from. Pretty cool. And it, it's really disturbing. Um, you know, it's a much scarier scene than I was expecting this kind of almost lighthearted movie to start out with. And I was like, whoa, that's that's pretty impressive right there. And it is, you know, they, they do some stuff with that later on as well. But, uh, you know, I thought that was just an interesting device that's used throughout this movie. And it looks really cool and, uh, and shows just some, some inventiveness on the, the part of the filmmakers for this one. It's, uh, it's a pretty cool effect and just something that I don't know I've ever seen quite like that before.
1: Uh, critic Jordan King from Empire Magazine gave it a positive review. And I, I like this description a lot. I think this kind of fits it where it says uh, he applauded its inventiveness, but he also praised the depth of character's characterization describing it as a playful yet surprisingly poignant vampire yarn that takes on folklore familiar turmoil and the perils of poor town planning with the- <laughs> like, <laughs> i like I that. Think that that's a that's a pretty good <laughs> description of it and yeah i think like my biggest beef with it overall was um the comedy and the horror didn't really always kind of work cohesively together that well um because like The first half really has uh, an entirely different vibe to it than than the second, Um, almost down to the minute if if you clock it. But – it is a funny movie. I laughed out loud, like, several times. There's some good dialogue in here, for sure. There
0: is, but, I mean, you know, I, I think the comedy is is a little subtler than the comedy horror. Like, when I think comedy horror, I think sure. Shaun of the Dead, which is, like, kind of hilarious all the way through, even yeah. when it does. Like, Shaun of the Dead is a pretty good zombie movie also, you know? I It's it's mostly a comedy, but you could watch it, you know, you can just sort of see the the love and affection for Romero in that, and the, uh, the influence of him, you know, the way he staged scenes and things like that. That I will say, I mean, the worst thing about this movie to me is the second half really does want to be this kind of like balls to the wall action horror, you know, from dusk till dawn kind of thing with like crazy vampire fighting scenes and stuff like that. And it's all just kind of underwhelming. You know, it's. uh hmm. Like, there's some scenes that I think are conceptually really good. Um, uh, William's father is a mortician. He's an undertaker. So there's some stuff with, like, coffins and uh, and, and morgue-type stuff that I thought was a, a great setting for this, obviously. But, like, when we actually see those scenes, they're just not as impactful as you might want them to be. And, you know, particularly seeing this back to back, I mean, I watched one one night and one the other, like the action scenes in Near Dark are so brilliantly choreographed and so well done by Catherine Bigelow. And to compare and and it's not a fair comparison, although, you know, Chris Ball is, this is like what, his first or second movie or something like that. And certainly he's got plenty of time to figure it all out. But I felt like the direction of this was a little bit flat and scenes that should have hit really hard kind of just happened and I was like, oh, okay. Um, the final confrontation, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to tell exactly where the characters are and the action scenes or the, the sort of suspense scenes, they don't have that like beautiful, you know, clockwork precision of near dark where everything is just, you know, exactly the way it needs to be. This felt a little bit more, you know, like I said, kind of flat and amateurish in those moments where it really should be like stand up and cheer kind of stuff. So I think it sure. works better as like a, an emotional, you know, comedy drama with vampire elements than it does is like a a totally all out action, uh, horror thing, which it it tries to be. So I think that's my biggest gripe with it overall, but that is, that kind of hurts it a a lot. Uh, particularly in the second half, I would definitely agree with that.
1: Well made though. I mean, you know, it's, and that, that's the thing too. Like there's nothing really with, if we're like these two movies in particular, I mean, they're, like wildly different. I mean, there's nothing really funny about Near Dark at all. Oh, um, I
0: disagree. <laughs> Bill Paxton really? is funny as hell in that movie. Oh uh,
1: well, I mean, yeah, but in a in a in a sort of twisted way. I mean, this one kind of goes more for the, the straightforward. Like, sure. there's you know a lot of sarcasm and and, and jokes and
0: stuff. Which like I love. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So
0: should we rate this thing?
1: Yeah. Uh, why don't you go first this time, since I <laughs> went first last time? Not that it matters.
0: All right, I'm going to give this a three out of five, a stand by me. I I think it's well made in a lot of ways, but just kind of... It's entertaining throughout, it has a lot of good ideas, and I, I really do think the story has some really nice sort of emotional underpinnings to it. I liked the ending, like where this movie finally ends up, I thought was a very good choice. And, and you know, I, I think the characters are very likable, I am very sympathetic to uh, to Francie and Eugene and even William and, and his father, and I don't know, I mean, this is a well-written movie in a lot of ways. I just think, you know, it doesn't quite hit as hard as it needs to, like I said, it, it could be better. directed um, could have a little more atmosphere could do a little bit more with this uh, this vampire sort of main character that we only see for like a limited time and and that might be a budget thing or something like that so I would say you know recommend but only recommend if you enjoy the Irish humor and Irish sensibility or if you're just a vampire junkie I mean I like the stuff that it does with Bram Stoker and the Dracula lore I mean I think it has some fun with that Uh, the bar is a great set and uh, just a, a cool idea um of course eugene eventually gets kicked out of it for various reasons because you know he's just uh can't seem to to get things right but a lot of things I liked about it, but also, you know, could have been better in a lot of ways as well. It's, it's kind of a middle-of-the-road movie uh, in a lot of ways, and I, I don't mean that as a bad pun because it's about a road crew. Um, my R.I.Y.L. <laughs> for this one is a pretty obvious one, Chris. I'm sorry if it's the same as yours and you have to come up with one on the spot. If it is the same, uh, you know, we can both have the same one. Uh, but my R.I.Y.L. is An American Werewolf in London, which is Ooh. a much better movie in a lot of ways, but also, you know, similar blend of comedy and horror. And, um, you know, kind of takes a classic horror heavy, which in uh, that one is obviously a werewolf. This one is vampires. But I think it it has a little bit of a similar vibe to that one. And, uh, you know, one of the things I like about that movie is the, the characterization in it and just sort of the story and the script and... This one clearly is going for something like that. So if you dig American Werewolf in London, then you'll probably at least be interested in this one. If you like the sequel, American Werewolf in Paris, which is not such a great movie, that CGI does not hold up at all. Uh, this is a better movie than that. So if you've only seen that one, I think you're really gonna like Boys from County Hell. But you know, again, I, I said Near Dark was a great addition to the Shutter Library. I kind of think this one is too, because it is. You know, this is a movie that expects its audience to have some kind of interest in Bram Stoker and and in vampirism and stuff like that. I mean, this is this is a movie for the horror crowd, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So even if it's not like the best movie like this ever made, I think if you're just sort of looking for something horror themed or horror tinged to watch, uh, I don't think you'll be disappointed with it necessarily.
1: That's that's yeah, I mean, I feel the exact same way. Um, I also am going to give this a stand by me three out of five. Probably I was gonna Atkins Campbell it until we got to the second half of the movie is is how I felt it It definitely kind of fell apart for me there in in a few ways, but uh, I'll stand by it. I do think it's worth a watch. I don't think I'll ever watch it again. Um, But uh, it's interesting that you mentioned. American Werewolf in London because I thought you were going to say Shaun of the Dead, which was my R.I.Y.L. Sure. And and again, a a vastly superior movie. Uh, But, you know, if you're into that sort of flavor, again, you know, just funny, uh, you know, comedy horror stuff, then I think that this is in, in, I don't know, the same basket or something. Um, This movie, I will say... Critically, this movie's sitting at 83% on Rotten Tomatoes uh, with critics with 59 votes. Um, It's, there's, most of the reviews that I found for it online were, were pretty, pretty positive and, um, you know, like that Empire review, it was a, a four out of five star review and, I mean, I really liked the, the like the pile of stones and stuff like that. I thought yeah. it, was a, it was a really cool idea. So some of the fatalities in this are are pretty damn good as well, and it is not a bad movie by any means. But I I think again, it kind of suffers from being put up against like we're, we just talk, like near dark is 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 um vastly superior. So. I, too, am going to give this a, a Stand By Me award. I mean, I'm glad I saw it, you know, if anything, because I haven't seen um, a lot of films that were made in Ireland. And this is another one that I can add to the list. And um, I don't know, it just it, it took some liberties that that I liked in the in the whole vampire mythology.
0: I agree with that. Um, you mentioned the Rotten Tomato score on on Metacritic it's at 56. So definitely oh. more of a middle of the road. So yeah, you know, so I, I think that kind of tracks, right? So the reviews were positive like ours but not so positive that it kind of put it in the right. you know, top tier of that. So I you know, again, it's it's one of those not everyone is going to like it, but you know, it's not as as divisive and off-putting as like Skin and Marink*. So Again, I think particularly if you enjoy all things Irish or anything Irish, um, you can expect to like this a little bit more. It's it's definitely a good yeah, I'm always kind of looking for a fun movie like this, right? Like, I don't always want to watch a horror movie that's going to, like, scar me for life. I love those, don't get me wrong, you know. I'll defend martyrs and inside uh, for for the rest of my life. (laughs)
1: Oh, go there. (laughs) But,
0: (laughs) you know. Cannibal
1: Holocaust, let me tell you. Um, Yeah,
0: that one either. But, you know, if you're just looking to kind of have a fun time with a few scares and some gore and some good laughs, um, I'm always kind of looking for movies like this and I think Shudder has a pretty good selection of those. I mean, unfortunately Unfortunately, Shaun of the Dead exists and American Werewolf in London exists. And those are such good movies. And, you know, comedy, any comedy horror movie that comes out after those is going to have to be compared to those. And it's, it's tough to to live up to those like pinnacles of of that particular genre hybrid. But, um, you know, this is a worthy attempt. And and I'll definitely if I see uh, Chris Baugh's name on another movie, I'll check it out.
1: Yeah, like, and, and I just do want to mention, like, there were some standout scenes real quickly. Like, I love the scene with the foot coming out of the ground and, like, like the way they all react to it and just... Wanted more like, of that, yeah. Yeah, or, like, when... Um, When SP and Eugene get kicked out of the bar, and they're just like, oh, you know, your beer sucks or whatever, and we don't need to come here. And then, like, the next scene, it just cuts to them, like, sitting in the back of a van, like, drinking beer or whatever. Like, I don't know. Some of the humor worked for me here.
0: Yeah, so uh, that is our vampire episode, and... We hope you liked it. We would love to know your thoughts on either of these movies. We don't know what we're going to do next time around, but we will figure something out. I mean, I do want to be on top of those Shudder originals. There's plenty more coming out this year, and I am excited to see all of them. I don't know about you. Well, I I think I do know about you.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I'll tell you right now, you know, you mentioned what what they've been adding lately. I mean, I was looking at their calendar. Like, they just put up uh, a few movies that I added to my list. Um Fear No Evil and Dude Return of the Living Dead 3 uh, which I've seen and they also just put up freaking In Search of Darkness Part 3.
0: Yes, which is supposedly the last one.
1: I can't wait to watch all 342 minutes of it in the <laughs> background. Um I have I have watched the first two and they're just I mean talk about an education in in horror films. It's like god. Um that's a list you don't you don't even want to start yeah um, but the fact that it's just there on on shutter is like i mean amazing for fans like us. I,
0: I feel like someday, you know, 20, 30 years down the road, like right? Like when uh, when Shudder is probably no longer a thing, those are still going to exist, right? Like that'll be Shudder's oh, yeah. claim to fame. That'll be the thing that like immortalizes Shudder as a platform and a service is this like long form like exhaustive history of horror and they are very, I, I mean, I have not seen either one of the first two all the way through. I've just seen bits and pieces of them, but man, I, I just love, I, I'm a big film preservation guy. I'm a big film history guy. I'm obviously a big genre film and horror film guy, so I think it's so cool that they did those and I hope they continue to um, just sort of celebrate the genre and and make that content that is educational in some way about Mm -hmm. horror because I I think we do need to take this genre seriously, and I always have. It's uh, part of the reason why we do this show, even though we're not the most serious people, uh, our love for horror and our respect for horror, our appreciation for horror is serious, and we know yours is too, and that's why we love doing this. So, we would as always love to hear from you you can reach us via email at shutteringpod at gmail.com on twitter at shutteringpod we're on facebook facebook.com shutteringpod and our website where you can download all of our episodes find subscription links to the show and learn a little bit more about us is shutteringpod.simplecast.com we would really really appreciate a rating and a text review wherever you download your podcast from and we will be back in a couple of weeks. I I promise we will be back in a couple of weeks. No more roadblocks here. Uh, again, with the road puns and and boys from <laughs> County Hell. I think maybe we just need to get out of here, Chris. But uh, we will be back on time, we promise. We'll see you again soon. Enjoy some great horror movies. Let us know what you think of Skinner-Marink if you check it out. And uh, And we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks.